Rethink Aging, discussions about life, planning, and growing older. Hello, I'm Elaine, and I'm here with my co-host, Robert. Greetings. Today we are going to discuss death options. So this is the options that exist for what to do with your physical remains after you die. And I guess it's important to say that we are just going to touch on these things kind of at their surface level, and there's more to be learned about each one of them. And of course, the, the laws are going to be different in each state or in each country where you are, but we recommend as a resource an organization called the Order of the Good Death, which is run by Caitlin Doty, a.k.a. The YouTube mortician. Ask a mortician. Right on. So check out her channel. She's got deep dives on each one of these options. So the first one we're going to talk about is burial slash green burial. Yeah. And I, I guess this is the most traditional thing that people are used to encountering, you know, and, and just to describe what it is, you die, you optionally get embalmed. And then you get put into a box that could either be a cardboard box or a super fancy box and buried in the ground. Good description. Thank you. And, you know, that can be pretty expensive because there is an industry that exists that is all about giving you options for this traditional type of burial. There are many options available to you, and I think that your religion, spirituality, and ethnicity all can play a part in the decisions that you make. Yeah, that makes sense. People live everywhere, and they have all kinds of traditions and expectations that surround the idea of death and how you get buried, if that's what you choose. I'm, I'm just going to pose this to you, Elaine. What's, what's it like when you go to a funeral home? Having had a relative die, what what does that initial contact consist of? Usually the family comes together or a few people come together and the funeral director will go through like a checklist of questions for you and you have to make a bunch of decisions. It's things like, you know, is the person going to be buried cremated, what kind of body disposition do you want? There are many other questions that I think is outside the scope of this body disposition podcast, but some of the surprise decisions are, what is this person going to wear? Right. If they're going to be a viewing, um, do you want to be embalmed? Yeah, and, and really, I guess just to talk about embalming for a second, embalming is a chemical process that's done by a professional who, whose goal is to make your body appear as natural and presentable as possible so that you can be viewed by other people before that you are buried, right? Right. Is there really another reason? I guess somebody could get embalmed if they just want to last a long time under the ground. I guess you could choose it for that reason. But, right, embalming stops the decay of the body for long enough so that you could have a couple of days to set up a funeral. And sure. Have. So kind of a short-term preservation. So another type of traditional burial is a green burial. And 
you could make the argument that green burial was the first type of burial that humans did. Coming around. The green burial is kind of rising again in popularity. And this is the idea of having a low impact on the environment, being buried in some kind of natural box that will decay as quickly as your unembalmed body will. And I guess it's probably worth describing if you've never been exposed to this in a traditional, I guess I'll call it a non-green burial, people purchase caskets. They can be costly. They're made of hardwood. They're made of metal and they're sealed. The idea is to keep out the dirt and the worms and insects and to keep in. To preserve your body yeah, longer. To, to keep the decay away. And then often those caskets are placed inside another vessel. A vault, I think. Yeah, like a burial vault that, again, is a metal box that is placed around your casket. And, you know, the, the plus of that for a cemetery is that your casket doesn't decay and make a depression in the ground that they have to deal with and mow around in the future. Which would be problematic. Yes. So a lot of the green burial sites that you see are in a more of a natural environment. So you can be buried like in a forest or, you know, out on some kind of prairie that's specifically intended for that purpose. Like a green burial site. Site. Yeah. And I've done a little looking around in our local area. Um, there are surprisingly a lot of options around here to have a green burial. And I think uh, you wanted to talk a little bit about the idea of remembering someone, you know, in a situation where you're not putting a tombstone somewhere. Sure. So like in the option where you choose not to be buried, whether that's your body in a casket or ashes in a, in a urn, I believe that a lot of people choose to have a headstone and want to be buried because they want to be remembered. I'm dead. I want someone to recognize that I existed. Right. And having a headstone is one of the options. To me, I'm thinking about virtual headstones. You know, the whole world is going virtual these days. Right. And a virtual cemetery or a virtual headstone, it could be on a site like Ancestry, right? You could make an ancestry chart, put your information in there, and oh, somebody's sure. going to find you yeah. someday. Another option would be there's a site called Find a Grave, and that's a website that locates graves and documents where people are buried. Yeah, I've been there. You can put a virtual headstone in Find a Grave. They're really operating more in, in the earth like photographs. realm. Right. Yeah. yeah. They're they're trying to document where people are buried. Right. And so they will let you put a virtual headstone in, but they're really trying to gear more towards in the ground gotcha. burials. But there are other options. In looking into this for the area we live in, I've found that some of the green burial places offer the idea of giving you a set of GPS coordinates. So oh. so if you don't want, you know, a, a physical headstone somewhere you can just save those coordinates and use your smartphone, you know, your your future 
relatives can use futuristic smartphones or put that in your ancestry account, right? Right. So they can come and find your spot to whatever end. So from here, we can also branch over into cremation because there is also the idea of a green burial with your cremains. Uh, you can receive your cremains and put them in a biodegradable urn and bury that in a green burial location so that it will soak back into the earth or decay back into the earth. So talking about cremation, again, I'm going to turn to you because you have actually gone to a facility. Yes. For one of my classes, we went to a funeral home that has a crematory on site. It was a field trip, and part of our trip was to go view this crematory. So we were in there having our class during a cremation. So I, I just have to tell you that I have this memory of being a kid, and, and I'm watching some kind of black and white adventure show and somehow the main character gets knocked out and like put inside a coffin and is like rolling towards this cremation facility and like a big door opens and they're slowly going in there i mean i i remember watching this was so that clearly. a batman movie <laughs> i don't know it could have been but it was it was really striking to me and stuck with me all this time so what was the reality of a cremation facility look like? Well, it was just a little room that had like a big oven in it. There was no like rolling. Like a conveyor belt or there something? There was no conveyor belt. <laughs> okay. So there are options when you want to be cremated. You can still be embalmed and have a viewing of the body if that's what you so choose. And then they will bring your body back and put you in kind of a, it's probably a little more than a cardboard casket. Like a cardboard box? Yeah, I mean, it's probably not quite cardboard, but they put you in something that's burnable, right? So the um, when you're in the viewing, you rent a casket that looks like a traditional casket, and then they will put you in a cremation casket that can be cremated, and that gets put into the oven, and voila. And they just press start, and... Come back a little later? Kind of, yeah. It takes about three hours. Interesting. So I have created a little cremation quiz for you. <laughs> All right. Surprise. First, is scattering ashes legal? I know that it is illegal. Like you have to own the place, right? It is not illegal. Oh. On a private land, you should ask permission of the owner. On the water, the EPA stipulates three miles away from shore, and I think you have to give them like a month's notice. By the air, if you wanted to scatter your ashes out of an airplane, that is okay because you are not dropping anything harmful. However, you can't just like drop the container out and dunk somebody. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> you have to scatter the ashes. Right. On public and federal land, you have to check your regulations and zoning rules or check with the National Park Service if you're going into a national park. But by and large, you can get permission. Now, you know, the reason that I got the idea it was illegal is because I've watched a podcast like from Jenny Nicholson where she talks about Disneyland. Um, they have really strict rules. And of course, I guess it is their private property. So that's their rules. Exactly. But they have really strict rules and keep a lookout for people who even look like they might be spreading ashes. 
because, uh, for example, the haunted mansion at Disneyland is a dark ride where people are often like kind of dumped over the side during it. You know, people who've had a real connection to that park and have, you know, been there with their families. So I guess that was where I got the notion that, uh, that it was illegal. Yeah, that would be the ask permission and the answer there is probably no. Correct. Question two. Do you consider cremation to be an alternative disposition? I guess so, because you, you might have your cremains buried, but you might end up on somebody's mantle, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I will say that it is not alternative, and here's the the way I'm looking at it. Okay. It is now considered a mainstream way to dispose oh, of your gotcha. body. In most developed countries, it is now averaging at least 50% hmm. of the options. That's a lot of cremating, which I guess makes sense because if you get buried in a traditional way, you're using land, you know, and you have to obtain that land. You are buying a burial plot. And I think that most people consider cremation over burial for the cost reasons, because it is oftentimes a little cheaper than a burial. I, I did not know that. You can add in all of the bells and whistles, though, and it will probably be very similar in cost. Who has a higher cremation rate, the United States or Canada? I'm going to go with Canada. Yay, ding, ding. Hey. 20% higher rate in Canada. Interesting. In 2018, what is the cremation rate in the United States? Uh, is it 50%? 53. Okay. 53%. And what part of the United States has the highest cremation rate? I guess I'm just trying to think of the different factors that would influence that. I'm going to say the Midwest. The West Coast. Really? By a far amount. Yeah, a fair amount. Um, this, the two states that have a higher than 75% rate are Nevada and Washington. Gotcha. Wow. Because I was thinking just parts in the north where it's hard to dig half the year. <laughs> <laughs> I also don't know why. You know, I guess they have a, a high population. Gotcha. I'm not sure why. All right. In 2017, according to the National Funeral Directors Association, what percentage of people are interested in green funeral options? In 2017. I'm going to say 20%. 50. Wow. And the follow-up to that is, is cremation green or eco-friendly? You, you brought this up before. Mm, I, I'm going to say no. I agree with you. Because cremation emits carbon dioxide and mercury and uses a lot of energy. Right. Yeah, you'd really have to, you know, you've got the amalgam in your teeth and stuff. Yep. Not good. All right. Here's my last quiz question. Okay. Can you be in the room with and sit vigil during a cremation of your loved one? I believe so. It, the answer is yes and no. So during a direct cremation, which is where the funeral home will come and collect the body and transfer it and immediately cremate it, I mean, there isn't a rule against it, but that process doesn't really lend itself to the family sitting there. But some traditional funeral homes or crematories will allow it. But you need to ask. Ask before you have your loved one cremated if you want that. Because 
Not only do funeral homes not really mention this to you, many crematories don't allow it. So if that's an important thing to you, ask before it's too late. Now, I had no idea this was a thing until in my death and dying class, we went to a funeral home who has an on-site crematory, as you asked me about before. And they talked to us about people coming there and sitting and praying or being with the person. And I just had no idea that was a thing. Remind me about how long does it take for a body to be cremated? It's about two hours and then you have some cool down time. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. I guess I should have expected that part of it. (laughs) There's, if you are interested in the nitty gritty of what this, what cremation is and how it looks, you can find a lot of information on the web. I can look for some links, but, um, no worries. So related to cremation, as a, a person of partially Norwegian descent, I'm familiar with like the Viking ritual of being burned on a pyre, or set loose on a ship and the ship gets burned. And I've looked into this um, myself and found some great resources on the Order of the Good Death where Caitlin covers the one place in America where you can be burned on a funeral pyre. And it is in this town called Crestone, Colorado. And it is just what you would think. You know, they've got a a big pyre with a grate on top and they wrap your body up and put it on there and they they burn through a couple cords of wood and burn you down to ash. But the, the nature of doing this is such that they really only do people who live in that town and they only do a certain number of them per year. But I've heard tell that some people will actually buy a plot of land. Like if they're really into having this done, <laughs> they'll buy a plot of land in Cristone and just own it so that they can be part of that group. Wow. Do you have to be taxed there and have that be your domicile? Uh, I don't, I don't, I guess you have to pay property taxes, <laughs> but I don't know if you have to, uh, have it be your domicile. It's a good question. I can always count on you for these very specific legal questions. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no worries. Another very cremation-like process that is available uh, in the United States, at least, and probably elsewhere, is called aquamation. Another name for this is alkaline hydrolysis. And you are essentially dissolved in water in another big machine, much like a cremation oven. And this process basically uses a combination of gentle water flow, temperature, and alkalinity to accelerate the breakdown of your body. And remembering like alkaline is the opposite of acidity. So it's just another kind of chemical breakdown process. But it does result in like essentially a cremains-like material at the end that you can then bury or spread or put on your mantelpiece or whatever it is that you're doing with those. I found it's available in about half of the states in the United States, uh, not in ours, but it's growing as an option. That's an interesting process and very difficult to get my mind around. So your body is put in some water and chemicals and it turns into ash. That just sounds kind of different. Right. And the ashes are essentially like the mineral remains of your body that are broken down. 
you know, everything that isn't your bones pretty much just gets dissolved and essentially goes into disposal water, for lack of a better term. And then the mineral remains, you know, like your bones and teeth and stuff become that resulting. I keep wanting to call them cremains, but aquamains or whatever is left over at the end. And apparently uh, one of the features, I guess, that they refer to is that aquamation nets you 20 to 30% more powdered remains than cremation does. Which I've been told is about five pounds typically. Hmm. I don't know what aquamation gives you, but. Well, I'm just going to call it 20 to 30% more. (laughs) So that's definitely another option that you can pursue. I'm going to throw this one in there because I don't think we have to talk a lot about it. But I don't want to forget that you can leave your body to science. Yeah. And And that can have a lot of end results, you know, that can really benefit the development of medicine and care for those of us who continue living beyond you. And of course, we have all heard like the various stories of how people's donated bodies are used. Like I think most of them, let's say, are used for some noble purpose. And then uh, I guess I've also heard about some of them get strapped to something in the army and blown up or something to test wow. to test things. But hopefully that doesn't happen to to you. No. And hopefully you've donated your organs, so at least something will have right. been a positive Yeah, and can't really say donation. enough about that. You know, organ donation is definitely valuable and benefits, you know, people who are trying to continue living and need some kind of <clears throat> healthy organ to do so. The last method that we're going to cover is called recomposition. And this is a pretty new technology that's out there. It is legal currently in three states, which I believe are Oregon, Washington State, and Colorado. Colorado. And basically the process, this is called natural organic reduction. So it's also called human composting. So your body basically gets put into a cradle surrounded by wood chips, alfalfa, and straw. And then it gets slid into this vessel for 30 days and just breaks down essentially into soil, like compost. And then this company takes that compost and they will do with it uh, a number of things that you direct ahead of time. Um, Generally speaking, they have like a forest where they go just distribute this onto the forest floor and you are put right back into the earth. And it's also uh, pretty cost effective, you know, because it doesn't use any fuel. You know, the, the only real fuel that's used is like keeping the, the building where this happens, the facilities at the proper temperature and keep the lights on and stuff. So when you choose this one, you would not be embalmed, right? Correct. Because that would put chemicals in. Right. They just wrap you in a shroud, a biodegradable shroud, put you in this environment and let you rock and roll for 30 days. And you can actually sign up ahead of time. They have a program called Precompose where you can prepay and be recomposed in states where it's legal. But of course, your family has to transport your body to one of those facilities in that state. So right now the costs are 
you know, it's, it's cheaper than having a funeral arguably, but you've got to work in that trip cost. Does the company help you figure out how to send the body? They or will you- work with your funeral home. Okay. So you want to, you know, have kind of a relationship established ahead of time. So when your body is picked up, you know, from whatever it is that happens to you that makes you die. So you can kind of close that gap and figure out what your disposition path towards the recomposition facility will be. Interesting. So, so really that's kind of like the ultimate green burial. And, and I know that other people who are familiar with green burials might be thinking of something like uh, that, that pod system where your remains get put in and a tree seed gets put in there with it. Um, I can't say I'm super familiar with that because I, I have not seen a lot of results from it. Um, and you know, if the, the tree pod people want to get a hold of us and tell me that I'm all wet, like I'm really interested in, in hearing more about it, but I haven't been able to find like a lot of end results of people genuinely following through with that. You mean somebody actually turning into a tree? Choosing that as a disposition and getting put into a pod, which, which sounds unusual, but appealing all the same. Let's say I'm a person young or old and I've, I've been thinking through all these options and, and I want to define what is going to happen to me. Is that part of my like power of attorney health care person or is this something different? This is something different. It's called a representative and there is a document you can find on the Wisconsin DHS website. And it's the person you name to make body disposition and funeral arrangements. Hmm. A lot of people don't do this. I don't think it's really well known that there is a form like this in Wisconsin. I think if you are pre-planning with a funeral home, they will have you decide and sign this paper. But if you don't pre-plan, a lot of people don't pick this person. In Wisconsin, there is a statute that determines who will make this decision if you haven't named a representative. Most of the time, funeral homes will just try and work with the whole family or who is in the room. But if there is a dispute, it helps to have named the person who has final say. And it goes in an order like the representative you name. After that, your spouse would have the next say. After that, it would be your children, your parents, your siblings, next of kin, a guardian, And lastly, any person who's willing to take on the job. So for me, the most important thing is to start thinking about this stuff and discussing it and make a decision. Document what you want and who you want to make those decisions. Sometimes people get hung up on, this is the one and only time I can make this decision, but that isn't true. You can change your mind about your choices of disposition or choices of who is going to make that decision. I know for us, we set a yearly appointment with ourselves to review what our decisions have been. Right. And that's a good time just to, to look each other in the eye and, and figure out, you know, what what is it for sure that I want you to take care of with respect to me and you want me to do in return for you? 
And and then if if we both somehow magically die at the same time, who who have we established as a, a failover person for this? And and how are we letting our desires be known? Because ultimately, you know, I guess on the one hand, who cares? We'll be dead, so whatever. But you know, this is a the kind of thing you get to choose once. So it's nice to just put into place some documentation of what your desires would be. So with that said, why don't we just talk out, let's, let's have our, our yearly meeting right now <laughs> <laughs> and uh, give a, an illustration of what that might sound like. Hey, Elaine, what, what do you want done with your body when you die? <laughs> so I'm one of the people who has an idea but doesn't completely know what I want. Until we started researching and until I took my death and dying class, I thought cremation. So that's what I have documented. As part of that class, we had to go through advanced directives and think about what we wanted. I chose cremation. I let the people know who needed to make that decision. But other options have been brought to my attention. So I'm uncertain yet but glad that I have documented what I have documented. Okay, so if something happens like tomorrow, cremation. That is my choice Okay, for tomorrow. Do you want a big fancy funeral with uh, lion tamers and stuff? No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) For me, a funeral is about the people who are left behind, not the person who is dead. It's a way to grieve. It's a way to make closure. So my wish is if the people in my life need and want a funeral, the bells and whistles, I'm okay with that. Otherwise, if they don't, I'm okay with that. Gotcha. So the, the my my option is like, whatever. I'll do my best <laughs> or, or hopefully not. I mean, I, this is certainly, you know, this is kind of the difficulty of this kind of conversation is that it forces the other person who is, you know, taking care of this for you to kind of face that reality that, that this could be a thing. You're on. You yeah. make those decisions now. Right. So I know, like, my answer was like a kind of a non-answer. I guess it isn't the most important for me to have a funeral. I won't be there. So I guess for me, I've always really focused on being cremated because that just seemed like the thing to do. I've, I've been to a few, you know, putting a person in the ground funerals, and uh, that that scene just doesn't really fit for me. I, I don't want to be laying there dead and have a bunch of people look at me and feel sad and stuff. And the more I've learned about these different options, you know, over the last couple of years, uh, the more appealing recomposition is to me. You know, it, it seems like something that just allows you to literally go back into the earth, you know, where we all came from and not go there as some inert material. You know, it's, it's going to actually fertilize the ground, help something else live. And for as long as the earth is going to be around, I'm, I'm contributing to that continuance. So I think uh, recomposition is going to be the option for me. And as far as some kind of funeral or whatever, I think my preference would be that 
anyone who has ever known me and cares about the fact that I died can go listen to Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon in their own special way, you know, maybe as a group, maybe individually, whatever works for you, no big deal. And and remember me that way. Thanks for leaving a clear message for me. You bet. <laughs> and actually, I think you brought um, composting to my attention, and I had just never heard of it until you brought it up. Yeah. And that is the other option I'm considering right now. So I, if you asked me, if you ask me in a few weeks or a couple of months, I might change, and that's where. Right on. Yeah, and ultimately, you know, at this point, since it's only legal in three states, um, you and whoever will have to take some kind of road trip, you know, with, oh, their, yeah. with their dog and stuff out to the recomposition facility and uh, take me on a cool drive somewhere so you can do like whatever neat events. Do I get to drive you? Uh, you can drive or whoever can drive. I mean, you can also be shipped by, okay. you know, the the structure that exists between funeral homes, but you can also just pretty much literally put the body in your car, you know, and there's, there's obviously some things you want to do before you're driving a body around in your car. Things I learned as a teenager. Do you need like a permit or something? Um, I think it's mostly about a proper vessel. Okay. Because, yeah, if you get pulled over, how are you going to explain this? (laughs) (laughs) I I guess there's probably some really shady ways to come off about it, but uh, I think if you've got all your documents and story straight, uh, you know. Don't break the speeding laws. Yeah, just don't speed on the way out there. Don't take anything weird with you. Just, you know, obey the law and get on out there, get her done. Come back home and carry on. All right. Well, that's our program for this time. Uh, We really appreciate you being here to hear about some of the death options that exist. Just to finish it off, we'll remind you that you can check out the Order of the Good Death for more specific information on each one of these options. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or send us an email at rethinkagingofficial at gmail.com. Yeah, we're really hoping to get some feedback and answer the questions or cover the topics that you're interested in. So until next time. Thanks for listening.